On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. How's it going, folks? I'm here with Nova Scotia songwriter Joel Plaskett, man. How you doing today, Joel? I'm good, Sam. Nice to be here. It's very nice to have you here. Thanks, man. Welcome back to Memphis, I should say. Thank you. Yeah, I've been here a couple of times over the years. First in the 90s, I uh, came here in 96 with my old band, Thrush Hermit. We were recording at, uh, at Easley McCain Studio there up on Dedrick back when it was running. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I've got a, long, a lot of affection for Memphis. Uh, I've been, been here a number of times over the years. Things have changed quite a bit over the timeline there. but Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I guess the last time I was here might have been must have been at least eight years ago, my wife and I, eight or nine years ago, we took a trip down through the Blue Ridge Mountains, mm-hmm. flew into D.C., saw Nick Lowe play, drew down, oh, cool. drove down through the Blue Ridge Mountains to Asheville, Chattanooga, Nashville, and then Memphis, and we hung out here for a bit, caught up with Doug, and, uh, and then before that, a couple times playing music when the Folk Alliance was here, that, oh, that yeah. conference was happening here. Yeah. We missed the Folk Alliance being in Memphis. Yeah, me too. It was great when it was down here. And you're here recording, right? Yeah, I'm here. I'm working my way to a new record, so I'm, uh, I'm, I got a studio back home, but I wanted to, I want to get into some other studios, specific, but specifically with Memphis, mm-hmm. because I've, I mean, Doug, I've known Doug a long time. We keep in touch mm-hmm. here and there, but um, things have kind of, I've, I've started things down here. I started this record last time I was here with the Folk Alliance. I, I, I recorded a song with Doug and a couple of singers, Rose Cousins and Anna Eggy, who are oh, friends yeah. of mine. They came and sang backups on this track that I cut at Doug's, and it ended up being the first song on a record that I made, and it almost dictated the sound of that record. So in some ways, it's a bit like a reset button. or so, uh, Things kind of start for me in Memphis in a weird way. So I'm in the midst of this recording project, and I thought if I came down here, something would happen, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what's been going on. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Doug put cool. together a crack band uh, for these sessions, Rick Steff playing keys, and from uh, Lucero. George, yeah, from Lucero and George Slupik on the drums. And David Schaus came in and, and made some music with lights and uh, sang a bit. Uh, Spence and Doug was playing bass. It was such a trip. Like, and I hadn't met any of those guys. Oh, really? I've been a fan of David Schaus's music for a long time. The I Grifters. The Grifters. That's part, where, that's part of the reason we came down to Memphis in the for first sure. place. And, and then his record that he made with Those Bastard Souls. Yeah. That Debt and Departure record is kind of one of my Desert Island discs. And so cool. when uh, I thought about coming down, I texted Doug, and I was like, do you think, do you think Shouse would show up? And lo and behold, it happened. So uh, it's, a real, it's been a real privilege uh, for me to be in the presence of these guys. And uh, what studio was this at? Memphis Magnetic Recording, the uh, new studio there on Vance that uh, uh, Scott McEwen put together. Uh-huh. Beautiful room. Um, kind of got the classic touch. It looks like like that picture of like every cool studio you've seen kind of morphed into one. It's got, you know, it's really very analog. A lot of old gear that gives it a kind of cool sound. You know, it's great. It it was a perfect room for what we were doing, actually. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have a studio back in Nova Scotia, right? I do, yeah. I have a studio. I call it the New Scotland Yard. Uh And, uh, and so I've been making a lot of music there. I've been producing records there, making my own records there. And I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm, and some of the stuff I brought down with me, and I had, like, the guy's track on a little bit of stuff I recorded back home to. Um, but I wanted to hear something different and be in a place where I had to, like, 
think on my toes in a different way. And yeah. I got a great band back home. Um, my, my drummer Dave and my bass player Chris, we call ourselves The Emergency. And um, so, you know, when I'm out touring with the band, we kind of got a rock show with them. And then I play on my own sometimes doing kind of more acoustic stuff like I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I've been touring with my dad for the last couple of years. Put as out well. an album. Put out an album together. So um, I'm kind of a bit of a jack of all trades, yeah. I suppose. But I like, I like it because I can I talk more. I'll tell stories more when I'm playing solo. And then the band thing is like we're moving and people are singing along and dancing. And that's kind of loose. Yeah. So it's it's nice because it brings some variety. Because I get really bored if I'm doing the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just I kind of figure it out day by day and see what happens. I like that. It's been good. So collaboration is something that comes naturally for you. Yeah, I mean, wh- yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a bit of a control freak, and so I think that's kind of why I came down here because I knew that I would have to sort of give direction, but also lighten up a bit mm-hmm. or like let it be what it is, and so. I, I, I like to collaborate, but I li- more like I like to wing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and collaboration is part of that. I do a lot of recording on my own, but I get tired of hearing my own perspective on stuff. Yeah. And so coming down here to play with people that I'd never m- met other than Doug was like, uh, I was nervous, to, you know, if I'm to be honest, but it, 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 was, it was really fun. And I think, you know, we got about five tracks down or then they added some stuff to some other songs i was here you know it was five days of recording pretty intense um it's great uh, it's it's been an amazing trip to be honest i turned uh, 44 while i was here oh man and uh it's been a good good role yeah. how'd you celebrate by recording yeah <laughs> yeah first day of the tracking yeah it was my 44th birthday yeah it was cool you mentioned maybe it was before the maybe before we were recording but that memphis has sort of a mystical nature to it for you yeah, well, you know, I I don't know. I, I is that just talk, or you? No, really it's feel not talk. Way? Honestly, I've started the past couple of years. I've really started to recognize things happening for reasons, mm-hmm. or I don't just accept that it's like, oh, that's just a coincidence, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, like when I when I played on played here not a few minutes ago, I don't know if this is broadcasting before or after, you know, uh, but. I was I mentioned Roy Orbison in a song and Doug said Roy Orbison came up on the screen as I was singing that. You know, coincidence, sure, maybe. maybe. You know, maybe not. Maybe Excuse that's me. Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, it does have a I, I think it has a it's it has a special place in my heart mm-hmm. and I go in now I, I try and go into things with the intention with you know, when you have intention's really important and so my intention is to like have fun. And let happen what happens happen, and I believe that when you kind of open up your mind and your heart to that, things that things seem to start happening with a greater sense of purpose, mm-hmm. even if it's an unexpected thing, like you weren't expecting that to happen. So, when something like when I caught the cold two days ago and I had to lower the key of some of the songs I sang today, that's okay. It's probably so that I could sound a little older when I got to Memphis, you know? I don't know. I'm joking, but, you know. Sometimes <laughs> but, those uh, change-ups end up being your favorites. You got to roll with it. And, yeah. you, and, and often you make music, like, that's what I liked about the process of recording here was, like, getting a feel for the guys who are playing and going, okay, what's the recipe now? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's different. I got I ch- to change the way I play a little to... I got to sit back too. I'm I'm high strung, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm on top of the beat and all that. I come down here and it's like things happening a little bit slower. Just trying to dial it back, you know. Yeah, but I'm trying to be myself too, you know. So it's it's a it's a little push and pull is a good thing. It's been a it's been a great trip. Yeah. 
Let's take it back to Nova Scotia. I want to know about, is it Lunenburg? I, was, uh, I grew up in the town of Lunenburg. I was born in a little town called Berwick, down in the valley. And then I sp spent my childhood in a town called Lunenburg, which is the home of a pretty famous uh, schooner called the Blue Nose. So it's on, uh, it's on, on the... On the East Coast. The Bay, kind of, right? Yeah, it's, uh, Lunenburg's on the East Coast, just an hour out of Halifax. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a port town. It's a port town. It was a fishing town. You know, so the do you fishing think that had a big role in your you know, it, personality and, and your individuality of kind of how you approach your artwork? It did in the sense, I mean, I like to write about where I'm from and what I know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, sometimes I'm writing about other stuff I don't know. But, uh, I, I, but for the most part, I'm pretty rooted there. Mm -hmm. And my, 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 my dad's from England. He's a Brit. Okay. Uh, he immigrated in the late 60s. He's from Dagenham, from the East End of London. My mom's from Nova Scotia with Scottish history in the family. Lunenburg was a small town. And so when I moved to Halifax when we were 12... That was when I was kind of getting into music. Mm -hmm. I had a tape that had the Sex Pistols, no, that had Chuck Berry on one side and Suicidal Tendencies on the other, you know. And uh, so you're a rock guy. Yeah, uh, uh, rock, uh, rock and roll, and you know, I was into punk rock and yeah. classic rock and all sorts of stuff. And then, and then I went from there. My dad's British folk music collection, all that stuff. But I was, I'm a small town kid. Halifax has always felt big enough for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I kind of never moved. A lot of friends moved up to Toronto or to mm -hmm. Vancouver, Montreal, um, some to the States. Lots of folks have had to leave Halifax because the economics in Nova Scotia aren't always the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of dug in my heels there because Halifax is big enough for me. One of the things I loved about, about Memphis is it it's a bigger city than Halifax, but the music scene feels connected and it has kind of a like it, it feels like a small town in some respects to me when I'm here and uh and so I recognized that when we were here even the 90s it was like okay the pace just the way people talk mm -hmm. to each other um felt familiar uh in, in a way the south you know doesn't it it's not dissimilar to Nova Scotia in that way you got rural communities fe feeding a number of cities mm -hmm. um, but a lot of folks who grew up rural may be making their way to the city you know and so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's my background. Yeah. So your dad came over from England and brought with him, he was part of some folk festivals. Yeah, he was, he helped start the Lunenburg Folk Festival. Uh, Is that down, still running? Down there, still running. Wow. Uh, he, and, and he was, he's always been just a social guitar player, right? Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years ago, it was like, dad, he, he joined me on stage. We would do tours now and then together, but he was never really on a, on a record singing his own songs. Really? And then a couple of years ago, I said, we should make a record, Dad. And there was this tape that he had of all these songs that he'd recorded in the 70s and 80s, just a cassette tape. And mm -hmm. we mined that and used some of that for the record. So we made this record that's Bill and Joel Plaskett called the record Solidarity. And uh, it's definitely like leaning into the folk side of what I do. Right. Um, because my dad's influence on me. He's a great guitar player. He's got this way, this real measured finger picking style. And... Uh, so when we play together, I'm often playing that four-string tenor. Right. And he's playing six-string, or we switch, and he plays tenor, and I play six. And that weave of tenor and six is a really nice sound. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of got something that we can do together that's allowed us to spend more time together. Because we're both sort of, when we're home, we live in the same city, but we don't see each other that much. We'll talk on the phone now and then, but... I'm usually in my own world, and my dad is kind of wired like me. He's mm -hmm. sort of in his own world. And every once in a while, he surfaces, hey, what's going on? Um, but, you know, he's, he's figured a bigger role in my, in my musical. And what I want to do next, if I can, 
is see if I can record a record of just him doing stuff with some of his friends, the folk players that he knows, mm -hmm. see if I can just help produce a record. In his element. In, with his own name on it. Yeah. My name will just be on the You ought to, yeah. You know? I got to do it. I got to yeah. do it. So that's, that's sort of like, when I get my record done here, I'm going to kind of see if I can get back to doing something with Dad. You've brought up throughout your show earlier um, how you write lyrics about the places you've been, and when you get back home, you know you you put down those thoughts and everything. I'm I'm interested in your lyrics because they weave sort of lighthearted imagery of different people and places and things, but yeah. then you drop in you know political things or sort of heavier thoughts yeah. that right in there with it, but sort of seamlessly done. And it's a real difficult thing to do, but you seem to have a talent for it. Is that something that? you've always had or you honed somehow through influences from other people? I've been very influenced by a number of writers over the years, many writers. I like music of all, of all stripes, but, mm -hmm. but um, there's some writers back home who've influenced me. There's a guy from Prince Edward Island, lived in Halifax for a long time, named Al Tuck, who is an amazing songwriter and amazing wordsmith. Uh, I owe debt to him to my drummer Dave Marsh, who's a great lyricist, to Rob Benvy, who I was in Thrush Hermit with, um, and uh, to Chris Murphy from Sloan, a good friend of mine who was an influence on me young. I also really love Vic Chestnut mm -hmm. from Athens. Uh, I like music that mixes humor and sadness and the point, poignant and the pointed. And I f often feel like movies do, can do the same thing where if you can make people laugh, you can kind of make them cry too. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, you, you people sort of open up when they're laughing. It sort of creates a vulnerability. Yeah. And so I like to weave those two things. Sometimes I do it, I, I think I go too far, at the, or I, I, it, it, it becomes maybe too clever. I, I, I mean, I, I might overanalyze it sometimes. But I, that when, it, when I can strike that balance between rock and roll playfulness that I love of Chuck Berry's words, mm -hmm. I've, always loved, those, I lo I've yeah. always loved his words, the bounce of his language, you know, the way he just, it's like fun to listen to. But then, but then, and then, but then the personal, because I like idiosyncrasy, and I'm not, I've never been good at covers, you know? Mm -hmm. I do occasional covers when they really, when I can lean into them and they What's feel. What's a cover right. that you've stuck Well, I'm with. working up a cover. I was going to do it today, but my voice was a little hoarse. I got a version of Lucinda Williams' I Lost It. Mm -hmm. I love that song. It's really, I, I might try and get that on the next record if I can. Um, that's one I've, I've tackled. I produced a record by a guy named Dennis Ellsworth called Things Change. And the first song on that just came out earlier this year, and I'm thinking I might cover that <laughs> on my next record because I love the song. It's called The Bottom. Uh -huh. I get up with the sun in the morning, go to bed with the moon at the end of the day, and I look for the silver line, and even when most times it's really a gray. <laughs> you know, he's really, really good. Dennis is great. You know, I've got a lot of good, talented friends who influence me in a big way. And Halifax is kind of a lyrics town. Mm -hmm. At least it was in my, in my circle. Um, I've always cared about words. And so... Sometimes at the expense of, like, not caring about the chords enough or something, you know? But that's always, I love books. I like long form. I like, I like the long road to, to sort of reveal mm -hmm. yourself and what you care about over the course of a number of songs. That's the interesting place for me. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just be true to the stuff I care about. There's a lot of words, like you mentioned, uh, sometimes in your songs, and I'm impressed at the ability to even remember them all and to deliver them in a way that seems well, like what you... did Bob Dylan say? Like I remember, I wrote them or something. You know, like you know, you could but once still, you kind of have like, them. Man, that yes, they're just in there. They get they get hazy here and there, but by and large, I mean, I rhyme a lot, right? Everything falls into rhymes. Yeah. And so, 
Occasionally I'll have a cheat note on the floor. I tried this one called Collusion today. I don't know if this will make the cut, but you know, I, that, that one I was still reading the notes, coming too late on the lines. But you know, I, I like, uh, I, I, I guess they just, yeah, a lot of it is, is it's like an imaginative thing. I spend a lot of time on my head just thinking on words and mm -hmm. how they could, I got this one that I'm working on right now. It might make the record. I haven't got music for it yet. I'm in a catch-22. I'll be damned if I don't undo it. If I ever want to start something new, I'd best first learn to put a stop to it. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, describe a catch-22, you know? Yeah. So, like, once you, get, once you spend the time thinking on what it means, then it's there, you know? And yeah. then you know what it means to you, and so you can well it up and remember it, I guess. Yeah. There's that phenomenon where um, often songwriters, when they're singing a particular line in a, in a song, they just can't get it right. Um, I know Elvis had it with some song about being lonely at night and that kind of deal. And I don't know, I, I heard it on some interview or something. And I yeah. just, that's an interesting thought to me when, when certain songs have such an emotional impact that when you get to it, you often just forget because it actually is so real to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had moments where I, I kind of go deer in the headlights or yeah. if I'm singing something. And you have moments, I've had moments inside songs when I'm performing them where the emotion of certain things can really lift you into a higher place. I, mm -hmm. you know, I'll occasionally get tears in my eyes when I'm singing about, I've, I, we lost some friends over the past couple of years and I've been working on songs for them. That's tough. Um, yeah. And it's been tough, but it's also been really important for me to like, I feel closer to them when I'm singing about yeah. them and when I'm, when, when I'm channeling where they are in my heart and mind. And I feel like they're there with me, you know? Um, and so, uh, and I'm, I think as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm happier to do, I, f I feel like I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And that I think my own, I still got a pretty heavy dose of like irony and, and, a, and, a, and I'm not jaded, I don't think, but I, I have, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sort of, I came out of the 90s, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I grew up on like pavement and the grifters yeah. and guided by voices and and uh, and all this and so that tongue in cheek ability. that tongue in cheek ability to just yeah. not take things too seriously. I love that. I, I feel like rock and roll, it, you know, for me, like that 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 playfulness mm -hmm. is really important to me. But at the same time, being honest and not being afraid to be emotional is something that I wanna I wanna do and bring to the shows. And so it's a delicate balance. I'm always like walking it. Some days I feel like comfortable in it, and other days I'm like. I, all I want to do is make fun of everything today. Okay, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. today's the day I'm going to try and sing something more serious, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a lot of, lot of good stuff, man. Um, did I see that Thrush Hermit has a reunion show yeah, coming up? Yeah, my old man Thrush Hermit. We're doing a reunion we're, uh, tour in end of late September, early October. We made our last record. It came out 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to do the anniversary of that album. It's called Clayton Park after the suburb in Halifax that we all grew up in. Cool. So we're doing that. We were a loud band. I think my ears can handle one last kick at it. <laughs> and we're going to have fun. They're really old friends. And, um, and we were all here together in 96, recording with Doug for six weeks, staying at the Homewood Suites, driving in. Nice. Down to Dedrick Avenue for six weeks, going to Payne's Barbecue and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of memories. It's neat being down here, actually. I've been in touch with the Hermit guys a little bit mm -hmm. over the past few weeks, uh -huh. uh, just as we've been get hammering out the details of this tour. So I kind of feel like close to everything right now. It's been really good.
It's very nice, man. Thanks, man. Well, between all the solo work and the, the band reunion and everything that you're doing, keep it up, and you know we'll be watching. Thanks. The world's loving it, man. So Thanks, Sam. We appreciate nice to it. to be here. It means a lot. Thanks, man. Thanks. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.